When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. For another Saturday in the Gong, the sun is not shining on Wollongong Golf Club this morning. The first time in a long, long while we're under heavy skies. We're coming to you from the Wollongong Golf Club, 1575 Illawarra Track, 1170 into Sydney for the first hour. Then you'll get us on the SEN app. Matt Russell joined by Illawarra Hawks great and current GM of basketball, Il Presidente we call him. Matt Campbell, what's rocked your week? Wow, mate, I was lucky enough to be able to get on a decent golf course that's even better than the Wollongong one. There's mate. no such place. <laughs> I played the Australian. Oh, so, yeah. Like, How'd you get a start there? I was going to say, when you've got friends in high places, you never know what happens. So, yeah, lucky enough to play an unbelievable round. Australian Open is going to be played there in uh, November, I believe. Now, you played an unbelievable round in terms of being on the course. It was mm-hmm. an unbelievable off the clubs of Matt Campbell. I actually wasn't too bad. I had a birdie. I was pretty consistent. Um, at one stage, I was in a bunker that I thought I was in China. It was that, <laughs> it was that deep. I thought I'd actually touch the base of China. So, no, what a phenomenal course. If you ever get a chance, do yourself a favour. You've got to hit the Australian. I spent a day this week helping a mate, Dan Whiteley, on a farm out at Orange. Let me tell you, I was reminded again that sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet. I would have given more than 100 an HIA as they <laughs> ploughed into the lock or the crush, as they call them. They are dumb animals. But I'll tell you what's not dumb. A contract given to LA Lakers' Anthony Davis, three years, $168 million total, $62 million a year. That's up just a little mm. above the deals you do at the Illawarra Hawks, yeah, right? Yeah, just a touch. Our salary cap's $1.7 million, But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The NBA is phenomenal numbers at the moment. And, like, the, it, their talent's great, but the viewership, the, the TV deals they're getting is just pushing wages through the roof. Anthony Davis at the Lakers, good or bad by the Lakers to lock into him for that time frame on that money? Uh, Look, to be honest, they have to spend a certain amount and he's a very good player, but I would not spend my money on him. But if they didn't have any other choices, yes, he's a decent enough player. Isn't it amazing? In the NRL, we talk about players, are they good value at six or 800,000? He's a million over. Here we are talking $62 million annually for Anthony Davis. And he's a question mark, really, whether you want him in your team. There you go. The reality of it is like, if you're a a Lakers fan, you'd be going, "Eh, it's an okay signing. Today we'll talk plenty of NRL. We'll preview the Matildas' round of 16 game coming up fast on Monday. 
That's uh, with Jordan Warren's going to drop in and talk to us about the Matildas. There's Ashes. Bye-bye, buddy, in the AFL. We've got an Illawarra motorsport icon joining us live in the second hour. And you can get us on the text line. Technology has reached the great Saturdays in the gong on SEN. 0457 736 736. 0457 736 736. Regular listeners will be very used to that number. We're here thanks to Wollongong Golf Club, Wollongong City Motors, Impact Garage and the Illawarra Mercury. The ashes are done, Matt Campbell. We can finally get back to some sleep. And those pesky poms, mm. swarming balls, yeah. winning the final test. I've got to say, I didn't have a great drama with it. You know, I'm thinking we need to be better than the English. We need to stop our whinging. It's still red. It's still got six stitches. Just bat with it. And, and I'm not going to blame that for losing the test. I totally disagree. Totally disagree. <laughs> I, you might. I was right into that test watching those openers get through that hard ball to start with, get it to the soft state that it was so that they're in a position where they can actually score some runs. And then out comes the new cherry. Like, you come on. <laughs> but it seriously. wasn't a tennis ball half taped. It's still a red cricket ball with six stitches. Yeah, with lots of riding on it. And, and a different state. I get that. But yeah. I'm just trying to elevate the Australians above the English. Look, I, I don't disagree, though. Like, I, I think we need to lift our game and be above it. I actually thought we were the better team consistently throughout the series. I think the English had a better uh, one player per test. I think they mm. had one person just go um, play out of their skin and keep them in it, where the Australians just ticked along. We had no real great performances. Kowaja's early one was great. Other than that, there was no standouts where the English, every game, had someone just tearing the whole team on their back. I just look, I felt like we didn't have anyone step up to the moment this year. The, the number of times we needed a big century mm-hmm. or, or a key wicket and it just didn't quite yeah, come. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, Steve Smith didn't get the runs yeah. he'd normally get. Um, you know, I just looked at it that way and went, I was waiting for Labuschagne to do something. I was waiting for a bowling attack to really Warner got him. starts, didn't yeah. go on and get the big exactly. century yeah. that he craves in England. Mm. And Stuart Broad uh, calls it quits having hit a six with the last ball he faced in Test cricket and taking a wicket with the last ball he delivered in Test cricket. It has been a wonderful career. Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, I know we're very patriotic, but it it is hard not to admire those Mm -hmm. two playing so well for so long. And I asked Justin Edwards in the Fox Sports News cricket department, has that ever been done before? And apparently a West Indian did it uh, during the... 50s, 60s. So right. I didn't get a name, but it has been done before. Yeah. Wicket with your last ball, six with your last ball faced. There yeah. you go. That's unbelievable. Imagine putting that on the wall. You've got a picture <laughs> of yourself hitting a six and you've got the ball next to it. Well, getting the last wicket of an Ashes series. So, I mean, you know, obviously they didn't win it, but I mean, and some of the stuff that's coming out of it is actually true. I'm actually now a fan of Test Cricket. Before, I thought it was really boring. I think the state of where it was got to uh, needed a shake-up, and I think the English have done it. I, you know, hats off to them. I think that series was phenomenal, and hopefully it like revives a little bit of Test Cricket. I have always loved Test Cricket. It will never stop for me. And uh, the, the form of the cricket that I can do less with is the 50-over game. We've got a World Cup coming up next. Um, that's going to be on the agenda in no time at all. Matty, NRL, round 23, three games done. Uh, Roosters, 26, beat Manly, 16, a big blow to the Sea Eagles' finals chances. That was Thursday night at the SCG. Keeps the Roosters' faint hopes alive, but I don't expect them to be there in the top eight. Last night, the Warriors against a, a 16-man Gold Coast team, 28-18. It was 18 all late mm. in the game. We'll talk more about that in a moment. And then the Panthers, too good for Melbourne, 26-6. So Penrith's uh, 
watertight defence continues, oh, conceding yeah. only six points against Melbourne. Now, no Jerome Hughes for the uh, Storm. Xavier Coates ruled out as well. But to keep the Storm to six points, oh, what, what an effort. Mate, they were methodical. It was, it was impressive. What I really liked about it, that they kind of looked like the Panthers took it as a challenge. Like, it, it, it felt like a finals game to me. The way that they stepped up defensively, like, Creighton were unbelievable. Like, the, the, whole, the whole pack were just moving forward as one. Um, yeah, I reckon they're humming. They're going to be really hard to beat. And that's what James Hooper said sideline on Fox League. It feels like a finals situation. And that's how Penrith are treating games at the moment. You look at the points they've conceded over the last few weeks. Six last night against Melbourne. Zero. A clean sheet last week against Cronulla. Before that, it was 18 against Canterbury, but they scored 44. Uh, 14 against the Dolphins. 16, well, they against um, Melbourne again. 12 against Newcastle. Mm. They've only conceded more than 20 points once this season. Wow. Uh, that's that's unbelievable. Especially with the injuries they've had too. And and with all the state of origin people being out, you forget about all those things that have challenged this group and, uh, you know, the fact that, that that factory just keeps rolling on, keeps producing great players. You're a big football fan. We know you made a name as an Illawarra Hawk in the NBL, but you love your rugby league. Are you confident at the moment when you see forceful high contact, what option the referees are going to go with? Putting it on report is level one. Sin Bin level two. Send off level three. We saw Mo Fodawaka sent off last night in the 16th minute, and I thought it was a fairly obvious send off because Charles Nickel Gluckstar was in a bad way, didn't return to the game. It was forceful shoulder contact to the head. But that had followed... Chris Randall making similar sort of contact with the head of a of an opponent. And while the opponent wasn't as badly affected as Charles Nickel Crookstar, Steve Roach said in commentary last on a Fox League, I want to know why Mo Fodawaka mm. has been sent off mm. and the earlier incident only received yeah, a penalty. That's right. I, I mean, it's a guess. Like, and the, and the reality is, like we talked about it, high contact from a swinging arm 100% no problem with all of those now we're starting to talk about the shoulder charge if someone slips into a shoulder now that's the person that's trying to tackle's fault like it, it is really a 50-50 and if you're in the game right now and you're bracing yourself ready for the tackle you've got split seconds to be able to do all this um, all this information that's coming to you and a guy ducks down or slips last minute like you can't pull out of tackles you, you mm. people are going to get hurt the other way if they have to continue thinking about the way they're going to tackle so I think it's gone just a little bit too far I'm all for protecting the head but I mean, if it's in a normal tackle and it's in that space I'm like it's got to be play on they are murky waters and, and the bunker works in conjunction with the referee after an incident unfolds now there are mitigating circumstances was he dropping how forceful was the contact how is the condition of the player who is on the receiving end so so a lot goes into it and then you've got the human element so so you're not going to have consistency my argument is we could have greater consistency than we have right now because it really is having watched with Agreed. groups of people uh, they don't know what's coming they don't know whether it's only report That's or right. send-off or send-bin. Commentators feel the same way. And I wonder, given we had a send-off back in round two and now we've had two in less than 24 hours, whether there's a little edict gone out that, yep. OK, we're coming towards the big games. There's yep. a lot on the line, finals around the corner. Let's put our line in the sand now. And if there's any forceful contact with the head, uh, you're going to be mm. off. Yeah. Let's see what happens today, Super Saturday, and over the next few rounds. But I certainly think it's an area of the game where we can achieve more consistency. The Warriors just keep careering towards the top four finish that will stun so many. On the live ladder, they're on 32 premiership points just behind the Broncos. They're in the 
the top four safely, it's not beyond the realm of them finishing top two should... Well, it's probably only Brisbane that's going to stumble in all reality. I agree, I agree. What a, what a fantastic year for them. Um, I mean, none of us were picking this at the start of the year. We liked what they did in pre-season. We spoke about them early in the show. But, um, yeah, from the reality of what they've been able to achieve, the way they seem to be playing it, and they seem to be having fun. Like mm. it, that's the first time I've seen a team having fun. I thought the Dolphins were having the fun at the start of the year. Obviously, that's changed with their win-loss <laughs> record. But, you know, I just really like the way that um, the Warriors are going about their business. Are they a genuine title contender? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Why not? Well, I just don't think they've got enough. Um, when it comes to the big games, you've got to get over the top of some of these teams. It, you know, the Rabbits leap in to get the, towards it. Storms, thereabouts. The Broncos have been playing well. Um, if they hit the Panthers, there's no chance. Like, it's just... Uh, I, I think they're a very good team, and they're building. Hopefully, they can continue to build and go deep into finals. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do next year. Adam Fanua Blake going fantastically as a middle forward. Sean Johnson, a possible Dalian medalist. Great finishes. Dallin Watenez, Elizniak, Montoya as well. You've got options in the halves. Chance Nickel Klukstar, good fullback. But there'll be plenty agreeing with you, Matt Campbell, that there's mm. just something not there in terms of a comparison with Brisbane Agreed. or Penrith. Speaking of the Panthers, let's check in with their final try last night at the foot of the mountains. Kenny, on for Cleary. And it goes to Yo. The cutout pass, Hosky. This time the pass is on the mark. And To'o is over in the corner. Two tries for To'o. And four tries for the Panthers. Brian Toto, more than 170 run metres, five tackle busts, two tries, as Dan mentioned right there. I want to go to their halfback, Nathan Cleary. He'd be a quarterback in the NFL. He'd be a point guard in your sport, Matty mm -hmm, Campbell. Mm -hmm. But two games back from that hamstring injury, he has not missed a beat. Last night, two more try assists. His kicking game is supreme. What do you think watching Nathan Cleary right now? Yeah, the enthusiasm is what I was so impressed with. Like, um, you know, getting up, you know, chasing down guys when they did a great tackle. He was the first person patting people on the back. Very chirpy behind the line as well. Um, you know, just really like the enthusiasm he's brought to the team. And I think probably, you know, the, the NRL season a long season when you're talking about a physical game like it is. And the reality is of having someone coming in fresh halfway through like this or just before finals for, for the Panthers, this is the ideal setup for them to go into it. I... I mean, I loved what I saw last night. I, I just went, wow, that team's going to be very hard to beat throughout the rest of this year. They dominated possession. They had more than 300 run metres above their opposition. You scan the stats, you think, wow, Penrith is going to take some beating three straight. That's the aim for the first time since the Eels in mm. the early 1980s. And, yeah, right now, who and how are they going to be beaten? By? Well, in today's game, too, like like you talk about in the 80s when, you know, you probably yes. could, you know, load your talent up so that, you know, people can get around salary cap, like brown paper bags, all those bits <laughs> and pieces. But in today's game where it's, you know, everyone's got the same opportunities to, to be able to steal these guys, as we're going to see next year when people go from, from the Panthers. But, you know, the reality is to be able to put such a good team in, on the park for the last three years, I mean, yeah, credit to them, that, that five-year plan that they put together eight years ago, she's really coming to fruition now. And Matty, I put to you the coach of the year. It's not the most improved team of the year. And, and you can understand why Andrew Webster deserves coach of the year. I would say that Kevin Walters deserves yeah. coach of the year. But Ivan Cleary 
to have the team maybe deliver another minor premiership, maybe deliver another title three in a row, having lost players, having become the hunted. Why can't Ivan Cleary be mentioned as possible coach of the year? You're right. It's a really good point because you're right. They normally give it to the underdog, someone who's come Surprised up. Surprised us. Yeah, he's been better than they should have been. But, but why is that better than sustained success? No, it's not because it's the hardest thing to do. Back-to-back mm. championships are hard enough, never mind to try and be there ready for your third. And, and they're primed. Like, if it, well, they're sitting in fourth place right now and they snuck, snuck in and then did that, you'd go, oh, you know. They're on top of the ladder. They're the team to beat right now. They're, and they're the yardstick. They've been there all year again. Um, I'm with you. Cleary should get Coach of the Year. After the break, Mitch Jennings, the Illawarra Mercury sports writer and rugby league expert, joins us. He's going to tell us about the Dragons and if there's any chance to take down the Eels tomorrow. Back in a minute. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Marching in, Matt Campbell. I've seen them marching into Lily J's coffee shop across the road from where we are broadcasting this morning. I don't know why they're not up at All Good Things Cafe. But anyway, Lily J's, great cafe. Dragons in there. And tomorrow they'll hope to march in against the Parramatta Eels at Combank Stadium. Mitch Jennings writes for the Illawarra Mercury, also broadcasts here in the Illawarra. Mitch, good morning to you. How are these Dragons going to go against the Eels, given that both clubs are down on troops through injuries and suspensions? Good morning, mate. Good morning, boys. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting one out there at Parramatta Stadium. I, I can't imagine, well, sorry, Combag Stadium we call it these days. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, I think. The Dragons have um, really found a way, I think, in recent weeks to compete. They're, they're certainly not a side that is you know, turning it up. I think Ryan Carr said in between that uh, that epic spray we saw after that loss to Manly, which I was a huge fan of, uh, but in between that, mentioned that, you know, this is a footy side that hasn't, you know, has had excuses everywhere to turn it up, and they haven't done that yet. They've given themselves a chance at the back end of that Manly game. They did the same, obviously, against the Raiders, despite being down by a fair stretch. So they're certainly a team that's fighting and giving themselves a chance. But Look, boys, if it gets down to the to brass tacks, uh, we heard Owen the Saints a little bit earlier there. I'd be surprised if we hear that again this season, just looking at their, their run home. They've got, obviously, Parramatta there tomorrow. They've got South, they've got the Storm, then the Warriors, then the Knights to finish up. So you're getting teams that are jostling for position in that top four. You've got teams jostling for position to try to get into that top eight. So they're not going to run into a, you know, for example, a rested... Uh, or a Panthers that's that's resting some guys in, in the lead-up to the finals and anything else. So I, I see a really, really uh, tough run home for the Dragons. Uh, and I think maybe tomorrow night the Eels, like you said, a bit undermanned. It may well be their best chance at a win before the season's out. 
Mm. Well, interesting, mate. Shot fires on the uh, Dragons not winning a game. I don't disagree, to be honest. And and we talk about they are fighting, which I love from the Dragons. But the reality is when the game's on the line, they're, they're, that fight doesn't come out. So it's when they're down and they're, they're, they're chasing a bit of a lead that they sort of get the rev up to get back into it. So whether the team that they're playing sort of slows down, maybe drops their guard a little bit and giving them their opportunity. So I'm a little bit with you. I... You know, a bit of drizzle around tomorrow too. Ball be a little bit slippery. I, I just don't see the Dragons being able to get it done. Well, they don't have Mike Acevo. They don't have uh, Sean Lane. Obviously, Regan Campbell-Gillard's still a while from coming back. So the injuries and suspensions at the Dragons, matched by the Eels, Mitch, and, and Jack DeBellin, that, that's a big one. He's been maybe our best forward, well, definitely our best forward. And to not have him, that's a huge hole through the middle. Yeah, absolutely. He's their forward leader in a lot of ways and he can play big minutes and that's really important when you've got a team that is so down on troops as the Dragons are, particularly in those sort of forward ranks. He was a big uh, interchange sort of roster management, uh, you know, ace for, for Ryan Carr. So that's interesting. But on what you said there, Matty Campbell, I'm speaking about, uh, I agree what you said there. They're getting going a bit late in a lot of these games, but I actually think last week against Manly, uh, they had an absolute mountain of possession and field position early on. I actually think they lost that one early on in that. They had to get more mileage out of that early possession they had. And, boys, I, I hate to be harpy on it or sounding like a broken record on, on this fact, but when you've got, you know, 58% of the ball, 70% of the territory in that opening 20 minutes and your halfback in Ben Hunt doesn't run the ball once, zero runs mm. for the entire first 40 minutes, oh, I've got a question you know, continue to question what's going on there. I know that, um, you know, we seem to have put that issue over to the side a little bit uh, as the season rolls on. Shane Flanagan's pretty confident that, you know, he's got him on board, you know, for the for the remainder of that contract. And obviously the fact that he's letting Jaden Sullivan, uh, you know, look elsewhere points to that. But, I mean, what do you boys think? If, you, if you've got a halfback, and if we know Ben Hunt at his absolute best, it comes down to his competitive streak, his, his relentless involvement in games, and, and you've got a guy, I don't know if he's carrying an injury that we don't know about, or, or there's something going on behind the scenes other than this contract drama, but, you know, that much footy, that much territory, and your halfback and skipper hasn't tucked the ball under his arm once, uh, you've really got a question what's going on there. Which then my thoughts exactly must be some sort of niggle because he's a good runner of the ball. And, and Blocker Roach, a colleague at Fox League, he loves halves that run the ball. Now, you speak to the expert halves, you don't just run it for the sake of running it. But if you're finishing a game without a run, without taking the line on, then the opposition is in the mode of knowing that, OK, we don't have to worry about you running the ball. You're not doing it. You're just distributing. And it makes it easier for the defence. Your spin-off regarding the Ben Hunt topic is is Jaden Sullivan. Now, we know he's been given permission to look elsewhere and has been very publicly doing so. Any mail on where he might land? And, and it, it, given that he has been allowed to go and explore, they have to have some assurance from Ben Hunt that he's going to see out his season. Otherwise, there's no halfback at St. George Illawarra. Yeah, and look, that might be something that's at play, Matty. That could be something that, you know, Flano in some ducks and drakes, he's, you know, when he sits down with Ben Hunt at the end of the year and if Benny sort of reiterates his desire to go, Flano could probably put his hands up and say, look, mate, I, I can't. We haven't got a halfback. Bud's gone. So that could be something at play. What's got to be interesting as well is the fact that uh, Talatau Moan obviously only signed uh, until the end of next season. Uh, so whether, you know, they want to go all in and him beyond that remains to be seen too, then Ben Hunt would have those two years. They might be, you know, putting some cash aside to have a crack at, you know, another marquee half that could come in and be the ultimate success at a, 
to Ben Hunt. So it's interesting to see how that will play out. I think the Tigers would have to be the favourite for, for Bud Services at this point, you think, the way uh, you know he was publicly paraded through uh, the centre of excellence there. I understand that uh, he was going to meet with Newcastle or was you know in the sights of Newcastle, but they've now gone a bit cold on that and they're not as keen on that. So I'd say... Uh, the Bulldogs were a suitor, but, you know, they've obviously brought in Toby Sexton sort of recently, and I'd say the Tigers are probably odds on, but from what we're hearing from their recruitment moves and obviously from the young guys they've bought and they've been interested in Aiden Caesar, we've heard all that type of stuff. It's, I, I don't know what's going on with the Tigers there, but I think for Bud, he'd be pretty disappointed or pretty frustrated if, you know, he were to go to the Tigers and end up in the same position uh, he's in at the Dragons, being that number 14, slotting into hooker half and just sort of filling gaps where he can. I think he want to be going there for you know, a full-time opportunity. So it'd be interesting to see where that plays out. But I'd say the Tigers, if you think, would have to be uh, favourites. Get him and, oh, boy, oh, boy, it sits with me. A bit sick in my guts just to think if we're going to watch, you know, years and years and years of, of Bud Sullivan tearing it up uh, somewhere else other than, you know, in Wollongong. But, uh, look, they're the decisions that have to be made and it, uh, it might be something we have to be resigned to. Mitch, you can hear the players here in the background talking about rugby league as they prepare to play their round at Wollongong Golf Club. A couple of real quick answers from your mate. I know that you obviously cover the NRL superbly for the Illawarra Mercury. You also cover local league. What's happening in the Mojo Homes Cup this weekend? Where are you? What is the match of the round? Mate, everything is happening in the Benalta round. There's all sorts of things at stake. It's one of those snakes and ladders rounds with a week to go. The minor premiership on the line. Up at uh, Captain Cook Oval, Collegian will be like that. Collies can, can claim that if they get a win today and probably give themselves the luxury of resting a few guys in the final round. I'll be at uh, Parish Park, uh, West and the Rule. Plenty of stake in that one. West are one and four in their last five, so they really need to find some form en route to the finals. And with the Rule, they're vulnerable to dropping out altogether. If they were to lose this afternoon, they've got that surging uh, Dapto side that'll be looking to knock off Coromel today. And that could set up a final round playoff for fourth spot, essentially the following week and I think uh, Jared Costello and the Butchers would be desperate to avoid to avoid that. They'd probably like to rest a couple in the final round as well. They've got some uh, some injuries to some key personnel so if they can uh, knock the Devils over this afternoon there at Parish Park, uh, you know, by their final spot and really uh, really set them up. But if they drop that one well, it's all uh, it's all on Gibson Park Old Boys Day and a playoff for fourth which is a pretty mouth-watering uh, prospect but we'll just have to see where, where all the cards fall this afternoon. And we'll look after Group 7 in the second hour of the show. Mitch Jennings, good calling, good writing. Thanks for your time this morning. After the news, we're going to check in with Tim Burrow. We'll have our set of six. And Jordan Warren joins us to look at the Matildas up against Canada on Monday night in the FIFA Women's World Cup round of 16. Stay with us. Saturdays in the... There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Who put a woman in front and a man behind? I have a woman shout out. Who let the dogs out? You are listening to Saturday in the Gong with the two doormats, Russell and Campbell, now joined by a man who spends a lot of time in the kennel, and not just when his wife kicks him there, when he's not supporting the Bulldogs. He's the Illawarra Mercury sports editor and co-host of this show. Tim Barrow, is Bundaberg the new Belmore? That's one question. Boy, your club has done some recruiting. Where's Blake Taff going to play next year? Oh, at this stage, I think he likely ends up at fullback. What we thought Hayes Perham 
probably had uh, first rights on it is uh, now looking fairly shaky. So, yeah, the position's certainly open with um, Jake Avarillo, unfortunately, off to the Gold Coast. Matty Campbell, I know that you can fire up and get a bit shirty at times. You should have seen or heard Tim Barrow blowing up. He was in a foul mood all week, and I wanted to know why. When I scratched the surface, I landed at the Melbourne Storm and their unveiling of a couple of stripped premiership trophies. Are you feeling any better about that, Baz? Oh, well, let's go on a journey through time and space back to August 2002. Oh, you ripped the, the Bulldogs off. are flying. <laughs> Top, top of the competition, they've won 17 games straight, and lo and behold, they've brought it the salary cap crisis, the biggest <laughs> scandal in rugby league history, and they're kicked out of the comp. Stripped of all of their points, it's all gone, and no argument to the Roosters who went and won the premiership because they beat the Bulldogs in the preliminary final the following year, even though they lost to Penrith in the grand final. And then the Bulldogs basically kind of held the band together uh, to win the comp in 2004. So... It was a long journey there, and now Melbourne, they're gloating about winning their, their premierships that were stripped off them, but that was after the fact instead of uh, during the season. So, yeah, pretty, pretty sour taste in a lot of people's mouths this week, I think. Baz, last week you opened up the text line, and uh, it was great to see those numbers or well, those texts coming through. I just read one here. I thought, this is nice. Thanks for another entertaining show, boys. Have a good weekend. I'll be listening next Friday again for sure. It was last night's show. So we're yet to get a text. That's, that goes to show how highly rating and successful this one is. 0457 736 736. Maybe we'll get some texts in response to the set of six. Are you ready to go, Matt Campbell, Tim Barrow? First up this afternoon, 3 o'clock kickoff, North Queensland against Brisbane. Which matchup bends your banana the most? Have a listen to these. Drink water against Reese Walsh. Through the middle, Tal Malolo against Payne Haas. You've got the Locks, Cotter, Carrigan. The number nines, Robson against Billy Walters. So, Tim Barrow, to you first, which matchup bends your banana the most? Oh, I'll tell you what, anything involving Reese Walsh gets me excited. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens today without uh, uh, with the Adam Reynolds situation and how the Broncos aim up. So, but uh, while you've got Reese Walsh in a team, they're every chance. Uh, I agree, to be honest. I was going to look at something else just to make the show sound a bit better. <laughs> but I, it's just mouth-watering every time you see him play. So I've got to say the same. Dom Young leads the NRL try scoring with 20. Now, Newcastle's record for most tries in a season is 21. So today... Dom Young could equal or go past Tamana Tahu from 2002 and Aku Uate 2010. At the end of the regular season, how many tries does Dom Young have, Maddie Campbell? He's on 20 as we speak. I reckon he gets 25. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm around about that number. That's what I think you'll end on. Baz? Yeah, 25 or 26. I mean, if they're going to make the finals, he's the one that's going to have a really big impact along the way and fair, fair credit to Adam O'Brien who's managed to, to right the ship along the way because they looked in a lot of trouble only six or seven weeks ago. Really like the way they're playing. I, they, they've changed it. They've, they've, they've worked out they can't play the normal style to compete with other teams and they've changed it a little bit. I, this is like the Warriors in basketball. They're trying to change the game a little bit. I like what they're doing. I'm glad you mentioned basketball. Dom Young is a former basketballer. He'd be a bloody good addition to the Hawks roster just quietly. You see the slam dunk celebration last week. The try was drawn back, but the slam dunk still worked. Now, that's Dolphins Newcastle in Perth, straight into South against Cronulla. Ken McInnes originally was credited with 84 tackles last week. On review, it went down to 78. Still an NRL-era record. Over or under 
50 tackles tonight for Cam McInnes against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Matt Campbell. Over. Absolutely. Tim Barrow? I just hope they've taken their personal cosmetic surgeon because he's popping <laughs> an absolute battering, isn't he, Cameron McGuinness? Uh, he I'm looked like he made 184 tackles. <laughs> so Baz is going over as well. Now, both games I mentioned played in Perth. Should the 18th team, should the expansion team be based out of Western Australia, Maddie Campbell? Oh, yeah. Look, I, I mean, they, they love their sport over there. I think there's a, there's a need for it. Um, it is a big trip. It is a lot of cost for the rest of the league. So it's uh, one to weigh up. If they've got the sport, if they've got the foundations right, yes, they should. Go West, young man, Tim Barrow. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a long-time believer in the next team being in Perth. Uh, for, if nothing else, it provides the, uh, the television scheduling and the, the broadcast money that comes with it with that extra time zone. But uh, I think it's a really lucrative market for them. I know the government have backed uh, the P&G bid to possibly be based at Cairns, but yeah, Perth is certainly the team for me. I'm on Perth's bandwagon as well, so there you go. 2-1, Campbell, you're outvoted. Tomorrow, Parramatta against St George Illawarra. Can you believe it's the first time since round four last year these two famous clubs have been head-to-head. -head. Eels, Dragons. Now, as we touched on with Mitch Jennings, Baz, uh, both are badly affected by suspension and injury. Only one Ironman in each team. That is to play every game so far this season. Pop quiz time. Will Penasini is the only Eel to play every game for Parramatta. Mm. Tim Barrow, who is the only Dragon to play every game for St George Illawarra this year? Want to hazard a guess? You... You've just made me race to the team list. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> I was going to hazard a guess at Blake Laurie. Uh, close, but no cigar. Matt Campbell. <laughs> Mate, oh. I think in the Dragons right now, the only person that's been there for every game is a trainer. <laughs> new coach, new board, Matthew new, new administration. Fiona. Matthew Fiona, the winger. And well who done. cares? He's the only man to play every game for the Dragons this year. Canberra against West Tigers. I think this is a real danger game for the Raiders. They've had four losses at home and all by big margins. Some of their worst losses have come at GIO Stadium. And last week, a senior Raiders of Official said, blame global warming. No club dislikes coming here anymore. It's too warm. It's too pleasant in Canberra. Agree or not agree, Matt Mate, Campbell? I was in Canberra about two months ago, and it was minus six degrees. <laughs> I disagree, totally. Is global warming costing the Raiders, Tim Barrow? Oh, I tell you what, they, they look like the marathon runner that took off at the 20-kilometre mark, the Raiders, because they look like a top <laughs> eight team for a while. And now they're just seemingly running out of gas. So you may as well blame climate change as much as anything else. Okay. Well, Tim Barrow, go and enjoy junior sport. You've got a morning off. You'll be back behind the microphone next weekend. Thanks for your time this morning. Tim Barrow leaving us. But after the break, another of the Illawarra Mercury's finest. Jordan Warren is along to tell us how the Matildas are going to take down Denmark right after this. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, that's a lovely ball in behind. It was a great opportunity for Steph Catley. Near post it goes. It breaks kindly. Hayley Russo! What a moment for Australia! Hayley Russo scores inside 10 minutes. 
And from the spot, she puts the cherry on the cake. It has been a red letter evening in Melbourne. And Australia are going to the round of 16 at their home World Cup. Absolutely, they are. And now to tell us all about it, more about it, representing a famous footballing family, an iconic pub, the Jamboree Inn down there, <laughs> a man who also writes for the Illawarra Mercury superbly. Jordan Warren, good morning to you. Let's go backwards before we look forwards. How good were the Matildas last Monday in taking down Canada for Blot? Yeah, morning, boys. And, yeah, they were pretty sensational, Matty. Uh, it was a pretty quick turnaround between that Nigeria game where, of course, they lost 3-2 and then they turn up to turn up to beat Canada the next uh, four days or something after that and, and smash them 4-0. Now, Canada were the, the reigning Olympic gold medalists and, and they've now been bundled out of the group stages at the World Cup, which has never been which has never happened before, the, the Olympic champs being knocked out at the group stages of the following World Cup. So it was a pretty phenomenal feat from the Phillies. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they certainly played incredibly well. They, they were on a mission without Sam Kerr. You could tell they were probably a bit sick having to deal with it in the media uh, being asked that question. Uh, whether Sam would be fit or not to play that game. Of course, she was kitted up, but, but it's probably pretty certain that she was never actually going to play a part, especially after they got up to a 2-0 lead in the first half and, they, and then wrapped it up with 4-0 victory in the second. So, yeah, no, it was a phenomenal performance and definitely by far the best so far um, from the Matildas in this tournament. Well, Matt Campbell, you've worn the green and gold of Australia. You've played for the Boomers and represented this great country. How much is the FIFA Women's World Cup catch capturing your imagination how are you enjoying watching these women represent australia yeah absolutely it's a, it's it's just something that's really special when you're in that sport when you've got an opportunity to play for your country and um i mean i was nervous going into that game watching it obviously there's a lot of hype and we we know sam kerr wasn't playing so the reality for me was do we have enough firepower and can we get up on the back of the other game and you know I, we we talked about the panthers earlier today the, the ability to have cleary come back into it fresh and then lead into the finals. Yeah. If Sam Curl can get back into this team right now with the confidence that some of the players have got, especially Ford and Fowler and all those girls, like I really like what the uh, what they've been able to do so far. And if, like I said, if we can get another little weapon in there, mate, this team could really do some some damage. You can probably hear, listeners, the golfers in the background in in festive spirits before they launch into the Wollongong Golf Club course and Jordan they want me to ask you only one question will we beat Denmark and by what margin <laughs> well I think we will Matty and to all the golfers playing out there I think we will I think we definitely can we beat them just recently just the over just under a year ago I should say we beat them in Denmark we beat them 3-1 of course Caitlin Ford Shell Harbour's own got a couple of goals on that day but Denmark kind of scraped through the group stages. They're in a group with England, which, of course, they topped that group, but they uh, they managed to beat China, which was a good win, to be fair, because China uh, have been a powerhouse in women's football uh, at the World Cup. And, uh, and of course, they beat, uh, they beat Haiti, I should say, um, which was a pretty routine win. But, uh, yeah, I think in terms of the Matildas, it's, it's been a pretty favourable draw, of course. If Germany made it through, they would have been on our side of the of the round of 16 and quarters. But they, of course, didn't make it. So if Australia can beat Denmark, then then uh, the, the game that uh, Australia will play the winner of is France versus Morocco. And of course, uh, we've just beaten France in the friendly before that uh, before the first World Cup game. So we know we can definitely do it. And then after that, I, I don't want to look too far ahead. But if we do make a semi final, it's most likely going to get be against England, and we have beaten them in the last year too. So. It's definitely possible for the Matildas to be able to, to go through and win the whole thing. They could meet the USA, Japan, Spain in the final if they get that far. But, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got to beat 
Denmark first, but almost certainly you can you can say that the Matildas can definitely do it, especially if they they come out of the blocks like they did against Canada. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're beating Denmark, we're beating France, and we're beating England, and Australia will be all over the Matildas as a result. Very quickly, Jordan, Illawarra Premier League, what's the match of the round? Where should local football fans head this weekend? Yeah, there's a couple of good ones. Um, at the top of the table, Albion Park can, can wrap up the Premiership with any result against Helensburg today at Rex Jackson Oval. If they pick up a draw, they've won the competition, but there's an important finals battle that JJ Kelly Park today, Coniston against Port Kembla. Coniston can, can wrap up a final spot. Uh, of course, they had a, a pretty tough mid to beginning of the year when their coach got sacked, but they've, they've definitely found their groove now, and they can they get a, a victory against Port Kembla today. They can pretty much uh, wrap up finals, whereas Port Kembla, they've just come off a Burt Bantam Cup final loss to Olympic last week, and they're still in the final hunt, but they definitely need the win today. Jordan Warren, thank you so much. We look forward to the Matildas taking down Denmark on Monday night. We'll talk to you again next weekend, but after the break, my favourite Akadaka song, Into a Bit of Hoops, and then we're banging the gong. Stay with us. Saturday's in the gong on SEN. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturday's in the gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Ah, my favourite Akadaka song leads nicely into you talking hoops, Matt Campbell. AJ Johnson, Illawarra Hawks recruit in town for a week. You've had a good look at him. How's he going? Yeah, really good. So for the listeners, he's a young 18-year-old American come out to us as part of the Next Star program the NBL has. Um, yeah, phenomenal right now. So learning the traits, learning the lingo of the Australians, uh, getting into some five-on-five, some structure, but uh, quite a talented young kid looking to see and expecting big things from him. Time to bang the gong, our favourite segment here on Saturdays in the gong. The Matthew Campbell, bang the gong. What do you love or hate about Wollongong? Yeah, mine's a, a sad one. Justin Yerbury, uh, a former Hawks player, passed away um, just late last week. Um, he was uh, suffering from MND um, and a well-known professor in that field. So mate, he, what he's been able to do um, in the professional aspect, other than being a basketball player, was phenomenal. And uh, I'll bang the gong for him. Well said indeed. Vale, Justin Yerbury, an outstanding member of the Illawarra community, gone too young to that hideous motor neurone disease. My banging the gong is the World Series darts coming back next weekend. Sellout crowds expected at the Win Entertainment Centre. It's on tonight. You'll see it on Foxtel uh, out of Hamilton in New Zealand. Well, the circus is coming to Wollongong again next weekend. The darts will be huge. Now, a couple of texts to get to quickly. The storm gloating to their cheating in the face of all NRL fans just shows the true real arrogance of the likes of Smithy and his cheating mates, Ian of Woi Woi, not happy. And one here for Matty Campbell. Is it true the great Glenn Saville played in a band called Surf and Sav and the Corrupted Cowboys? That's is that true, true? That is true. Oh, Sav. What, what instrument was he on? On the guitar. <laughs> I didn't know that Glenn Saville had that skill. One of your Hawks and Boomers teammates. We've still got a whole lot to come on Saturdays in the Gong. Jump on the app for listeners in Sydney on 1170. It is time now, time next for the Mullers Club.
There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. we go of Saturdays in the Gong Fox Sports, Matt Russell alongside Hawks basketball great Matt Campbell. We are here thanks to the Illawarra Mercury, our hosts, the Wollongong Golf Club. Great to see the course still looking fantastic and players enjoying their surrounds. Wollongong City Motors visit for a test drive today and Impact Garage Doors. I heard keenly a few weeks ago, Matt Campbell, that you had a new garage door supplied by Impact Garage Doors. I bet you it looks a treat. Oh, it is schmick too. And I tell you, it's insulated. So like when you're sitting in there now, <laughs> the noise doesn't go anywhere. So I can actually hide in the garage now. No one knows I'm in there. I crank the music, nothing better than just sitting there looking at my garage door. I can picture you sitting in the garage all alone, legs crossed in that sort of zen yoga position, just staring <laughs> at your impact garage door. In the background. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I got a text from um, uh, Tim Barrow, who joined us earlier. He's down at Junior Sport, uh, down at Shell Harbour, under six of soccer. He says, the orange-vested ground manager on the under six field next to us is the one and only... Alex Volkanovsky. So he said that I wouldn't want to be messing around at under six of soccer this morning. Otherwise, you're in trouble with the ground manager, which means you're in a lot of trouble. What about if you're one of the parents out there? You know how they get a bit feisty? <laughs> wouldn't imagine yelling out and then get Volko just looking at you Put with a the choke hole. There'd be no tapping <laughs> out. Choking, you're out. <laughs> if you try to tap out, Volk might ignore that. So only, great in, only in Australia. I, I, I yeah. just got back from Vegas not long ago. And let me tell you, some of the NBA guys were there. Mate, they got swamped by people. Mm-hmm. In Australia, you could walk just about anywhere people will look at you and go oh yeah that's such hey, and such Bob. and they just get walking there on there you go Bob. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's fantastic that you know he's a bloke international sporting superstar mm. and here he is as the uh, orange vested ground manager yeah, no. of the under sixes soccer just absolutely fantastic we're lucky now we were going to have a, a, a bloke that you and I have dealt with a lot Matt over the last 20 years uh, Illawarra South Coast sporting legend it must be said he raced super bikes for more than 20 years, won world championships in 96 and 2005. And until recently, he had the record for most superbike race starts and most super poles. That was until not too long ago. I, of course, was working at Wind Television before going to Fox Sports. And a true joy of the job was dealing with Troy Corsa, a gentleman, gifted uh, motorsport participant, and he's still giving back to the sport all these years on. Now, Troy is busy. Up at the airport today, mm. collecting talented riders. And as a result, I think Sydney's traffic might have got the better of him. But we have one of his fantastic protégés, Brandon Demery, joining us here. All the way from Wagga Wagga, Brandon. But Wollongong's home now, I believe. What's the best part about living in Wollongong, do you reckon? Oh, it's a nice place. It's uh, definitely a beautiful area and a change from, from Wagga back home. <laughs> Not um, many beaches in Wagga Wagga, are there? No, we've got Wagga Beach, mate, so <laughs> sand trucked into the, uh, to the river. So. I'll tell you what they do have in Wagga is unbelievable facilities across multiple oh, sports. Oh, this is Jeez, your, this is uh, your this topic. This is my gripe. I, you come to the Illawarra, you can't find a decent ground. Go to Wagga, mate, you get unbelievable basketball courts, football. I'm sure they've got some motorcycle stuff out there too that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, if, there you go. If, if Nigel Taylor, Troy Corser and Brandon Demery have their way, we might have a motorcycle track here in the Illawarra. But, but, but right now, Brandon, how do you fit in with, with Troy Corsa? What, what, uh, what's your relationship and, and how's it benefiting you? Well, oddly enough, Troy was my childhood hero um, when I, I run the number 11 because, because of him yep. um, on my bike. So 
we just happened a chance meeting at work. I work at Moto City in Wollongong and he came in one day and we had a chance meeting and got talking and he wanted to do some sort of racing and I had sort of the opportunity to do that so we went ahead and developed a bit of a relationship with Nigel Taylor over here as well. Were you racing when you met Troy or did you get into racing subsequently? I was uh, sort of on a bit of a sabbatical at the time, took some, took some time off from yep. racing. was, um, yeah, just a bit of a change came up here. You know, life was a, you know, going in a different direction. So, and then, yeah, had a chance meeting with Troy and here we are, back at it. Now, Troy splits his time between uh, Cambridge in the UK, I'm, I'm reliably informed, and his house at the foot of Macquarie Pass. I've been lucky enough to interview Troy and visit that that premises. And in, in one of the uh, areas in the Illawarra, he has a, a collection of his winning helmets and, and it just goes on and on and mm. on and on. As you were looking up to Troy Corser as a, as a boy coming through uh, the ranks there in Wagga Wagga, what were some of his performances that you can remember as, as real high? Highlights. Obviously, the two championship years stand out, but but what did you like about Troy as a, a rider? Well, actually, my sort of introduction to Troy was he was running, um, well, not running, was assisting with the importation of junior motorcycles, racing bikes, and that's how I sort of got to be involved with him and learn who he was and figured out, you know, and yeah, sort of started looking up to him because he was giving back to the sport and doing something for our, for us. So. You know, it's a challenging sport. I mean, you know, we talk about like you know, you can go out to a footy field, kick the ball around. You can, you know, soccer, you can do the same thing. Basketball, all you need is a hoop. Motorsport is a challenging sport. Like it's not like you just, yeah, not like you just roll out there and costly. grab something. It's costly. It's very difficult to to learn your craft and then really hone your craft and then get to to the world level. So, I mean, how difficult is it? Talk to the listeners about, you know, the challenges you've had and how have you got to this stage where, you know, you're knocking on that door? Yeah, well, obviously grassroots are difficult because there isn't facilities like, obviously, like Mm -hmm. you said, there's not a footy field down the road. Like, you know, there's not racetracks down the road like there's a footy field. Um, There's lots of challenges, obviously, uh, technical side of things. It's a very technical sport. You know, you've got to learn, you know, the bikes and how to run the bikes and all that sort of stuff so there's a big learning curve there and then there's obviously the big one which is financially it's very challenging um you know even even at the lowest levels it's you know many thousands of dollars a year to do it um so it's definitely challenging on parents and it stops a lot of very talented young riders there's lots of young riders that that i know of and i've come across in my career that have had to stop because they've their families run out of finances to continue their career yeah it's sad if, you, if you're a good cricket player you might need a few bats and some pads if it's tennis some rackets obviously but when it comes to to motorsport a much greater expense and they're breaking and you've got to travel it, it's, mm. it can be prohibitive so you need good sponsors now troy again i'm told by nigel taylor running these race schools throughout uh, europe six to eight times different tracks and and he's looking to build that up in australia as well just how important are these race schools given that we know that the financial hurdle is a big one now you've got to have the opportunities and clear that hurdle troy's trying to make that easier is he yeah trying to obviously um it's yeah there is the financial hurdle and then there's you know the ability like you got to it's mm. it's different from other sports like a lot of athletes have that natural ability to play football or they have that natural ability to play basketball and it's an athletic sort of thing you can translate a lot of skills whereas motorcycle racing there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to um really hone in on and that's where Troy who's someone who's done it for however many millions of years 20 years <laughs> plus 20 plus knows, years knows roughly what he's talking about it really so um he definitely helps there and he's definitely pointed out a lot of things that I didn't know I've been in the sport now for 15 years or whatever and you know he's definitely pointed out things that I didn't know and critiqued little things that I did that I've always done so that helps and then obviously yeah it helps with 
bringing in new people and new people from every range of skill obviously is important to our sport and our sport needs more participants every at every level um so yeah it's definitely good in that side have, have you ridden with and raced against troy some of these tracks yeah we did a um we did a school a couple of months ago um at, at maroolan which is where we're trying to sort of yep. settle the set the base for the schools um, and yeah, we had a run on the bikes, and uh, he ended up. Uh, I was behind him, pushing him a bit hard, and he crashed in front of me. So, <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. Did he blame you? No, uh, he's trying a bit hard to get yeah. in front of me, but you know, I'll, I'll take that one. Because yeah. Troy'd be around the 50 year mark yeah. now, if I'm not giving away too much. I imagine, you know, crashing a bike at age 50 is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> no, that's all right. I think he should be right. He's pretty used to it. Done, done it once or twice. You know, well, uh, my father often walks in, and the, the bike races will be on. He says, These blokes are crazy. He could say it once, he said it a thousand times but you're not crazy are you yeah. it, it's a sport that gets in your blood and despite the dangers how many offs have you had or have you lost count 20 years oh, ago yeah i lost count so it's too many to count really at the end of the day but yeah it is you got to be a little bit a little bit mad to do what we do at the end of the day but it is a it's an adrenaline thing it's like anything that you get yep. hooked on a sport you get hooked on a you know whatever it might be just as you said that, we just had a uh, scooter come past <laughs> doing yeah. about three kilometres an hour. And even that looked dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it was because of the guy, yeah. the age of the guy that was driving it. But yeah, so I mean, that, that's the hard thing. Like, you talk about all the other sports, you're honing skill at a young level. Like, the reality of, you know, some of the professional sports, basketball included, you, the, your honing of your skills between the ages uh, maybe of 11 and sort of 15 is really the aspect of where we try to get the junior participations up. You're teaching them not just the basic skills of the game. That's where they start to learn about strategy and, you know, fine-tuning um, the needs in, in that sport. How, do, how does that sort of correlate in motorsport? Because it's, it's difficult because those age groups kind of tough to get the participation in there you don't really I, w I would imagine you wouldn't really be able to get to the elite level until you're into at least into your teens late teens before financially someone's really willing to back you or mm. you've got enough skill where you go right we can put enough energy into doing this and not just you know like do it as a tester like you do golf or, or something yeah. else so how yeah. do you find that and you know we, we talked a little bit about pathways um, and who are some of the people that are coming through that are going to be elite you think yeah well so definitely like you do develop the, the core skills of riding a motorcycle early on you know obviously and then the um, development it never ends really how you're riding because big thing we've got technology underneath us that we've got to deal with too that evolves significantly over the years um so we've got to re uh, like adjust our riding styles and the way that we do things very differently to what's going on underneath us based on the years so it's never really ends the learning cycle of um, you know someone in motorsport in general um but yeah like we've got a couple of good young riders coming up particularly here in the Illawarra we've got Marcus Hammond he's um very good young rider who um I think has got a lot of potential and will go a long way. He's got a great family behind him, and um, which is one of the hardest things to get is getting a family that are in and support you and give you everything they can give you. That's probably one of the hardest parts of the sport. Um, and then we've got a couple of, yeah, got Cam Swain, who I'm racing against at the moment. He's um, he's from Queensland. He's uh, going to be going to be tough to beat one day. Um, he's, he's got a lot of raw talent and he hasn't been riding the bike very long. So to, w to be where he is for how long he's been on the bike is very impressive. How did you get into motorbike racing? Did you start in Wagga Wagga? But how, how did you fall into that path as opposed to a different sport? Uh, so obviously my family have always been into bikes. My dad and my uncle are big bike riders. Mm. And my whole family likes bikes. So um, 
yeah, Dad just, well, my uncle actually got me my first bike and um, just put me on that riding around the farm and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, just moved on from there. Thought we might go racing one weekend and then here we are 20 years later. So. And, and Troy Corsa was an inspiration and yeah. now you're working with him. So I'm yeah. seeing this, you know, this dream story yeah. unfold. For listeners, you better explain the difference between a super bike and the bikes we see in the MotoGP. Oh, it's not even comparable. It's uh, they're completely different. I don't mm. think they've got the same as two wheels, really. <laughs> because people would look and not yeah. be able to discern the difference, but they're basically it's apples and oranges. Yeah, it is. Like so, the superbikes they're um, they're more of a motorbike, really. At the end mm. of the day, where the MotoGP bikes are an, a tool for someone to go fast on. You know yeah. what I mean? Then they they obviously have a lot of characteristics. The MotoGP bikes, but they. Um, they're just technology. They're it, just it, so far advanced from everything else. It's a bit like the sort of supercars and the F1s. Oh, yeah. So very one's built just for as going as fast as it possibly can. Yeah. The other yeah. one's something that's more road usable, but, yeah. you know, oh, tweaked yeah. a bit. So. There's definitely more regulations, and they the superbikes have got to be within a box where the MotoGP mm. box, that box is a lot, a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking with uh, Brandon Embry, who's come from Wagga Wagga to the Illawarra, working with Troy Corsa, working at Moto City. So if you're after a bike or some part for a bike, go on and see Brandon at Moto City. We'll give your, your employees yeah. a plug. Where, where are you racing at the moment? What competitions are you uh, aiming at? So we're in ASBK at the moment, which is Australian Superbike Championship. So yep. it's sort of the pinnacle of motorcycle racing in Australia. Um, I'm in the 300 class, so probably the entry level to that. Uh, and we're hoping to move up to 600s next year, which is the mid level. And yep. eventually one day be on a superbike would be the goal. Yeah, well, Troy went from Australian superbike champion to American superbike champion to world superbike champion. So, Brandon, you could follow Hopefully. in the same path. And, you know, you'll get the keys to the city like Alex Volkanovsky will yeah. eventually get the keys to the city, no doubt. Well, um, I can give him one of mine. <laughs> I've got two. Yeah, he's got... What, two keys or two bikes? <laughs> two keys. <laughs> you got two keys. Well, you have two. How did you get two? Two. We won the championship in 2001. Yeah. The team got one, and I got one for my great community support. Um, there you go. Efforts I do outside of all my basketball stuff. Brandon, Matt Campbell, Hawks legend as a player and an administrator. If it wasn't for him, <laughs> the Illawarra Hawks wouldn't be around anymore. So he has he now has a key ring with keys yeah, to the city on it. He, he's he's boasting a little. Uh, who else is helping you in the Illawarra apart from Troy and Moto City? Uh, you got other sponsors oh, you want to give a rap to? Uh, I've got Nigel, obviously from Golf on Wheels. He's a big supporter of the team. Yep. Um, Nigel Taylor, big yeah. supporter of the Wollongong Golf, Golf Club too. Yep. He's here every Saturday morning yeah, telling us about his bad footy tips. Oh, and how bad he is at golf. <laughs> we just saw him hit off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Brandon, when it comes to superbike racing, you know, Troy Corsa and Troy Bayless, the only Aussies to win the World Superbike Championship. And no one's done it since 2009 when, um, when Troy Bayless got the job done. And Jonathan Ray has since dominated extensively. Um, who's going to win this year's World Superbike Championship? Oh, that would probably it's going to have to be Alvaro Bautista. He's yeah. dominated this in the last few years. But and when's an Aussie going to challenge him? Uh, hopefully soon. We've got yep. a couple of Aussies there, but I think um, the current... Uh, current Rem- Remy Gardner's there, yeah. at the moment, but he's 12th. Yeah. And, and, you know, probably hasn't found a position yeah. where to challenge the leaders. Obviously, that's Wayne Gardner's mm. son, who Wayne has a close a- allegiance with Illawarra. This is his home. He's another one with a key to the city. Mm-hmm. Do they sh- I might, why don't I have a key to the city? <laughs> but, but, yeah, we, we, want more, we want more Australians doing well on the you know, international motorsport scene. And, and World Superbike seems to be an area where it's very, very achievable. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's got a very good pathway. There's similar pathway to what we've got here in Australia where it's 300s, 600s mm. and then Superbike. And it's 
very integrated and there's a lot of um, junior sort of classes, like one mate classes where everyone's on the same bike, um, yep. which definitely helps talent come to the top. Yep. Um, lots of that. And it's achievable. Uh, you know, MotoGP is, you know, if you're good enough, it's achievable, but it's the next step. And in, in that sort of Grand Prix bike is a difficult one. And there's a few people that I think, there's obviously, we've got Jacob Rolson, he's from here too. He's racing in uh, the Junior World Championship on a Moto3 for Gas Gas, I believe. Yeah. A really good bike, and he's got a couple of podiums already this year, so he's on his way to being in the World Championship in a couple of years, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, so we've got a good cr- like crop of young riders coming up. It's just, there's a bit of a, like the older crew is getting older now, and there's not really that middle. So it's going to be a bit bland, a little bit bleak for us for a few years, but I think with the younger riders coming up and the guys making their pathway, they're going to be very good. Well, names like Jacob Rolston, Cam Swain, Marcus Hamlin and Brandon Demry. Keep your eyes out for those names, Brandon. Thanks for having a chat this morning. Uh, it's great to see Troy Corsa giving back to the motorsport world and uh, hearing that he still is very much hands-on and, yeah. and staying on the bike for most of the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good to join us. And, and any time you need to plug yourself or your sponsor, we'll look forward to following your career over the next, hopefully, 20 years. That hopefully. hopefully it reaches somewhere near the heights of Troy Courses did. So, Brandon, great to have you in on Saturdays in the Gong. We'll talk soon, but now time for a break, and we're back after this. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. 999 goals, Buddy Franklin. The legend becomes immortal. Ah, Buddy Franklin. That was the 1,000th goal kicked at the SCG by Buddy. And this week, retiring on the spot after an injury forced him to call it quits. Matty Campbell, it seemed only yesterday, not 10 years ago, he signed that long mega deal and you thought that seems to go on forever. Mm. Well, guess what? Forever is over. But what a what a participant and a servant to Australian sport Buddy Franklin has yeah, been. Yeah, he really did um, lift the lid on uh, the AFL in, in New South Wales, especially in Sydney, the way he came in and the, bigger than the game basically up here and... Uh, you know, he was phenomenal. What he's been able to achieve from the sport point of view. Um, yeah, and just to think that the longevity of, of playing contact sport like that, and especially when you're known and roughed up nonstop. So, yeah, a phenomenal athlete. Um, yeah, just um, sad news from his point of view, but I do think it's the right time. I actually probably think he pushed a little bit too far. Um, all those little niggling injuries he's had uh, over the bits and pieces. It would have been great to see him go out on the field um, you know, as we talked about Stuart Broad before, like, you know, kicking a goal to finish off his career would have been something special. But, you know, he still goes down as a legend. The reason you sound so good going to air is because Dave Anderson makes sure that happens. As, as you and I know, he shows us his AFL insight and education week in, week out between the ad breaks. So come to air with us, Dave Anderson, and tell us why and where Buddy Franklin rates as such a good AFL participant. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Oh, we're going great, but I want you to tell me about Buddy. <laughs> uh, well, look, Buddy's an interesting one because I think he's the sort of, you know, we hear older people talk about, or well, not older people, but like the previous generation talk about, you know, your Ablett seniors, your Lockets, your things like that. We just haven't had any of those guys, and Buddy is that. 
for us, you know? Like, I think Buddy is one of those guys that you're going to be telling people in 20 years, oh, I saw Buddy Franklin play live, and they're going to just look at you with wide eyes and be like, wow. Like, you know, we talk about in the NBA all the time with highlight reels and things like that. If you did a Buddy Franklin highlight reel, it would be a four-hour sit-down minimum. Oh, I don't disagree, Disco Dave, from that point of view. Like, if you look back at the old, you know, the Dunstalls, the, the people that really some, um, like solidified AFL as the premier sport in Australia, we, we've kind of gone away from that in the AFL now. It's, it's really, the game's changed. We've got better athletes. They kick it further. There's less people wrapped around the ball. It's less of the one-on-one contest. It's more about trying to, to plug up the field. Um, and, and have you seen it that way? I think, you know, Buddy's been that person has been able to survive for so long. But, you know, that full forward, the big, you know, totally. type full forward seems to have gone out of the game a little bit. Um, and the evolution of the running um, game is definitely here. There could be some rule changes maybe that could get it back to that. Is it has it hurt the game or is it the game in a better spot now than it ever has been? Well, I think it's in a... I mean, just look at the people going to watch it. It's in a better spot than it's ever has been. But the thing, you hit on it a little bit there. Buddy was the one who kind of changed that because Buddy was the one who you could park him in the goal square and every defender would have an absolute nightmare going one-on-one with him because he was so strong. But he had that aerobic capacity to run up the field and chase up the wings and get kicks up there as well. And that's, that sort of has ushered in this new era of key forwards that have to be able to run. But the thing is, Buddy could do it both. So he truly was the bridge between the two eras, in my opinion. And Dave, when it comes to Buddy Franklin, we saw Plugger Lockett finish as, a, as a, you know, an icon of the game and then go into relative obscurity, training his greyhounds and, and little else. What's the future, do you think, for Buddy Franklin? Does he just land in some sort of coaching, an assistant coaching role? Does he work behind the scenes with goal-kicking schools? What's the future for Buddy Franklin? We will never hear from him again. We will never hear from Buddy again. I guarantee he's bored. I don't know if so plug a locket like plug a locket. Like. I don't know if you've seen it. He and his uh, he and his partner have bought a house on the Gold Coast in Reedy Creek of all places, and it is an absolute mansion. But it's also very isolated. And he honestly he doesn't need to leave it. It's basically a compound. We'll never hear from Buddy again. I don't even think he'll go a cult, start a cult or something in I, his compound. Oh, mate, I'd be, I'd be listening. I'll take whatever he's been offering over the last 20 years. Mate, he's been on quite a good uh, wicket with his weight. So don't I dare say he doesn't need to uh, work anymore. Oh, there Absolutely. you go. Okay. Okay, and Dave, uh, last night or earlier this round, uh, the Western Bulldogs won 26-71 against Richmond. I'm looking down at your Collingwood flag pies, as you call them. Uh, They are are prohibitive favourites against the uh, Hawthorne side. Uh, So the pies should be having another big, big win, shouldn't they? I'm a little bit worried about the Hawthorne Football Club today because it's not very often that Collingwood have had to deal with losing the week before. And uh, to get to go out and play the 16th side after losing to the mortal enemy, it's it could it could get ugly pretty quickly. Just put it that way. Well, if your pies win, and I'm looking down here, Carlton, they'll get uh, if they get beaten by St Kilda, unlikely but possible. You'll have quite the weekend, Dave. Been great to have you on air with us talking AFL. Now get back to making sure we don't crash into that iceberg which is looming large because we have the news coming our way. Then Toby Dawson is in to talk. Wallabies and how they're going to take down the evil All Blacks after this. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Roy Gunn, wide now, over the top it goes. It'll sit there though for Ioane. Over to Tulevi. Karan Benton with a stop go speed away for Rico Uwane. 
That's outstanding. Sean Maloney there calling outstanding play from the All Blacks last week. Unfortunately, not enough outstanding from the Wallabies. And Toby Dawson is in the house to preview another Bledisloe Cup contest this afternoon. This one on paper, Toby, looks a little daunting for the Australians. Beaten last week and they're off to what? The House of Pain in Dunedin. Yeah, Forsyth Bar Stadium. We know it is going to be a really tough ask for the Wallabies to step up today, especially after the way that we saw how clinically New Zealand played versus the inexperience and I think schoolboy errors um, that the Wallabies showed. You know, going back to last week's game, some of the key moments I think that happened through the game, line out off the top to Tate in the, from the five metre line when mm. we're defending and he got absolutely folded like a deck chair, <laughs> you know, which led to a try. You know, this, people were still taking their seats and the All Blacks were up. Uh, with their first try. The other one, Marika Coriobetti, yeah. you know, playing number nine for the All Blacks. He was offside, stood up, the ball was there, and he passed it back to the Wallabies. Queer, um, intentional foul, straight in the bin. We're down to 14 men. Uh, Carter, doing that short side kickoff, didn't even go the 10. Mm. Handing the pressure back to the All Blacks. Poor execution off a five-metre quick tap. We're attacking at the five-metre line. If you're going to take that quick tap, you've got to execute, you've got to score the points instead. We gave the penalty to the All Blacks, relieved the pressure again. Um, and Tupau, at, this is probably more on the coaches, but they put him in for that extra scrum when he had that sore rib. He then made a tackle with his shoulder because he's trying to protect his ribs, gets subbed off, Angus Bell takes the field, and then Angus Bell gets sit, sat down for 10 minutes in the bin because of a Tupau foul. Just really elementary errors that you do not see when you're playing the likes of the All Blacks, the Springboks, and, you know, go over to France, England. We're going to see those teams... At the World Club, we can't afford to make those mistakes. You sound like you should be part of Eddie Jones' coaching team because you've pinpointed their key moments supremely. And, and as you listen to them, how much heat has Eddie Jones felt because of those basic schoolboy problems, those errors? Because that's normally where the uh, deflection would go to the coach. If there's a rugby league team in the NRL making those sort of blues, the coach is under the pump. Yeah, and Eddie loves the sport of the media, of the questions. You know, you saw him at the back end of the media conference. They're saying, he's saying, give me more. The, the, the Australian <laughs> media guy's trying to wrap it up. He's going, give me more questions. He loves that sport. He loves drawing attention to the game because that's what Australian rugby needs. Mm. You know, you've got to think when he came in, they've ended Dave Rennie's contract early. They've brought Eddie Jones in an earlier, a year earlier, given that he finished up with England. And he's all around marketing. He even said in an interview with the Australian Financial Review, the play to get Joseph Suwali into rugby is a marketing play as much as it is about winning. Yeah, totally, and I don't disagree. And like, how, how long is it going to take to be able to get that discipline you talked about? It's like, it's one thing taking over from a team um, and, and putting yourself on that pathway, but there, there's been years of these mistakes that we're talking about right now. Um, and to fine-tune it and to get the quality, too, coming through from a playing point of view to be able to execute. Um, we talk about this in rugby league. You, like, you look at the discipline on the line is the difference between the top teams and the teams struggling to make the eight. Um, and that's the reality of where mm. we're looking at, I think, with the Wallabies right now. I think... Yes, they're, they're on a pathway. They show some brilliance in games right now. It's the consistency and the discipline at the moment in the way that they're playing their football that I just I just don't see, and I don't know how long that's going to take. I don't know if you could really hammer home that on the coaches just yet or whether that's going to take a couple of years to really change that culture. 
Yeah, I think it is going to take a few years. So we, we again back to Eddie Jones starting early. He was he was definitely, I think, going to be coming back to take us to the 27 World Cup at home on home soil because we're going to be having that here in Australia. Right. They brought him in early. He's got a team that's dysfunctional. We've got a game that's disconnected at all levels. Um, we've just seen the CEO of Australian Rugby leave. We've got Phil Wall come in with a mandate and a commitment to redevelop and re-establish that connection through to the grassroots. That ultimate goal will be 2027 for Eddie, but he does like to be a bit of a magician, so he's going to have a fair crack this year. But to your point, Matty, he is going to be playing a lot of different cards, trying to work out how best to get the best out of this team. Let's use you know depth as, as one key point in the difference between New Zealand rugby and Australian rugby. At 10 or 5'8", fly half, We've got Quade Cooper, 35 years old, at the back end of his career, and Carter Gordon, pretty young, at the front end of his career. They're our two best options at number 10. In New Zealand, you've got Damian McKenzie, you've got Barrett, you've got Moanga, who are all world-class 10s, mm. who could all play start in most of the uh, first-class teams across the, across the world. Additionally, um, McKenzie and Barrett are world-class 15s. They've demonstrated that through their super rugby teams, that they can play 15 as well. And that's just one position on the paddock. We, unfortunately, you know, we've lost Alan Alalatoa off the back of a uh, snapped Achilles. We won't see him for the World Cup. Tupo, we're not sure exactly the extensiveness of that rib injury. High chance that we're not going to see a lot of him very soon um, and potentially a risk for the World Cup. Our front row is now under pressure in terms of depth and the scrum is a pivotal piece in rugby union. If you're losing your scrums, if you're going backwards in your scrums, you can't win football. And the biggest difference on Saturday night, um, and I think, you know, Arnold, the All Blacks coach, said the scoreline flooded New Zealand. Australia wasn't as bad as what the 38-7 scoreline looked like. But what we know is New Zealand constantly maintained forward pressure. And when your forwards are going forward, your backs have got space to attack. Australia was going backwards too often, which then means you're shoveling the proverbial mm. and no one's going forward. You're not hitting the ball at pace. And I think back to that five-metre quick tap, mm. when it was initially tapped and offloaded, Alala Toa wasn't even moving forward when he caught the ball. He caught it flat-footed. New Zealand puts the pressure on straight away. We lose momentum. We don't score the try. So we got beat by 31 points last week in Australia. Tonight we go to Dunedin, where the All Blacks win with their eyes shut. I'm, I'm thinking par is almost like being within 40 of them at full time. Am I being too pessimistic? Look, I'm glass half full tonight. I'm going to be the Eddie Jones of Saturdays in the goal. I'm going to bring the excitement. Oh, we love that. Yeah. Rugby, right? I've got more questions. Yeah. Eddie, don't go anywhere. Bring them to me, mate. No, look, I think, you know, Carter Gordon last week, that kickoff, the short one, that was inexperience. That was pressure. That was just doing what you thought you had to do, but not executing. He's got that one out of the way now. He knows mm. what it's like playing the All Blacks. He's also been given the gig of captain, and that's a, in recognition of his competence and his ability and his potential. So I think we'll really see Gordon step up, and that number 10 is such a pivotal position in rugby. They command the forwards, tell them what to do. They direct the backs. They will steer that game. So to have our captain at 10, have him with that one more game experience, I'm really hoping, the fingers are crossed, <laughs> that we'll see a lot more out of him. <laughs> He's got the learner plates on going oh. against the All Blacks yeah. in Dunedin. <laughs> is, 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 I tell you what, you are very optimistic. Is there I any think. way the Wallabies could win? Could they win somehow? Oh. Probably a bridge too far. <laughs> I reckon that's a bridge. Um, okay. I did take a 30-point start against a Kiwi mate last week. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the nudie runs uh, on me. But, yeah. um, look, I, I think we will, we will see a better performance but I think that our challenge will be up front. Although in saying that, Angus Bell last week, hands down, best player on the pitch. 
he'll be starting, getting a full game or, you know, most of the game out of him, setting that direction, showing that leadership for the forwards. I think it's really exciting what he will do and how, what he will bring and how he will redirect the pack. Um, and hopefully Gordon does the same out the back. Well, if Rugby Australia signed Eddie Jones with a view to the 2027 World Cup, we've got a more immediate World Cup. We haven't won the Bledisloe for more than 20 years. Mm. It seems like Australian rugby fans are being asked to be very, very patient as another rebuild heads towards the 2027 World Cup. What about Illawarra rugby? If we shift to the, the local competition, Toby, what's happening on that front? What's jumping out at you today regarding this weekend's round? Well, on the on the... You know, in the context of the redevelopment piece, you know, Vikings, my my beautiful club, love them. Um, Won't miss a plug here, but they had an absolutely horrible year last year, dropped out of second grade, forfeiting first grade games, came in this year, pulled out of first grade and only entered second grade, said, what we're going to do is we're going to rebuild this year with a view to having two grades next year. Yep. Next week, Saturday the 12th at Vikings, they will be playing their first first grade side for the year and having a back to Vikings Day because the momentum is coming back to the club because people are investing in, in it with their energy, with their interest, and the focus is on the right things. So if that's the canary in the coal mine, we've got great yep. things coming for Illawarra Rugby. So let's, let's plug that. Next Saturday, Saturday the 12th, a first-grade game, the Vikings back in the top grade. Who are they playing? They're playing uni. So okay. In first and second grade, it's Vikings Old Boys Day so yep. and old girls and old families. So if you've mm-hmm. ever been connected with Vikings, come down for a look. Corner of Swan and Coromel Streets. It's almost within walking distance yeah, of the Campbell Mansion. From my, it's less than 100 metres. It's actually 50 metres from my house. <laughs> I can hear them when they go off over there. Long into the night. I think it was Toby on the mic at oh. one or two in the morning a couple of times a few years ago that I heard that I had to uh, rustle Sweet down. You'll get, your, you'll get your turbocharged scooter out and go the 50 metres and have a beverage I watching did. Vikings return to first grade. So that's a really big announcement, Toby, and we encourage all the listeners. The sunny Saturday afternoon... Late in winter, get down to Vikings Oval and watch the men in blue. The men in blue, the mighty sky blue. Rip in. Win Rip or in. lose, but it's up the blues. I mate. interrupted your point, so yes. keep going. That's so part of the redevelopment. Yep. You know, and, the, you know, the Illawarra District had a really productive uh, session last weekend in Kiama. They got the boffins from ARU and New South Wales Rugby Union down to have a workshop with all of the clubs. Um, really positive. There's been unanimous decision, uh, unanimous support from all clubs that rugby in the Illawarra will remain amateur. Um, so yep. clubs won't be getting paid. There has been a bit of beef on social media about some clubs potentially paying players, but that's to be stamped out. There's an integrity officer coming in to make sure that won't be taking place and clubs are going to get punished for that. Um, what's happening in the, on the actual field, though? Really exciting week last week. Will Miller um, from Shoalhaven has to be the standout player of the match. Um, again, spoken about the Millers up front, yep. s- setting that platform, moving forward, just like the All Blacks. For the Brandon boys out the back, but Will Miller stand out. But Tim Whittle from Camden, probably close second, who they went down to. Shoalhaven. Uh, but probably the biggest game of last week was Campbelltown losing to Tech in what is a major upset. So that's okay. really keeping the battle for the finals in first mm, grade love it. in high contention. Um, what are we looking at today? This, this weekend, uh, the draw for... Illawarra Rugby. I'm just clicking on it here to, to go through to the games coming up yep. today. Let's uh, have a look at it. We've got uh, Tech Tars against Barrel. That's at Saunders Oval. Avondale at home to Kiama. Shamrocks hosting Campbelltown, who will be keen to bounce back from that upset. And University against Camden. So when it comes to the, the heavyweights of the competition, Shoalhaven, they've got a bye this weekend. Uh, what about those other games I just mentioned? Yeah, look, I think Tech 
They'll be on a high after last week. They've mm. shown and proven to themselves that they can do it. I think they'll walk home easily over the top of Barrel. Uh, Kiama, uh, the coach of Kiama, James Patrick, said we'll never forfeit against Avondale. James was formerly the Avondale coach. Yep. But again, I think that's an easy win for Avondale. Campbelltown against Shamrocks. That'll be the arm wrestle of the weekend out at Ocean Park. It's really tough to beat the Shammies out there. The Green Slime know how to hold on to a win, <laughs> get the nose in front and stay in front. Uh, Universe Camden. Uh, love the students. UAW alumni right here, but unfortunately, I don't think it's their day. We're going to have to give this one to the Rams. Okay, righto. We'll go Illawarra Rugby, go the Wallabies. Toby, if you can hang around, we'll go to a break. And on the other side, we'll talk a bit of rugby league. We've got the charge seat out. I'll tell you how long Mo Fodawaker is looking to spend on the sideline after being sent off for the Gold Coast Titans last night. It's coming up right after this. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, great to have you with us. As I mentioned before the break, the NRL... Match Review Committee has ruled on last night's games. Just the two players charged. Jerome Luai can escape with a fine for his careless high tackle deemed a grade one charge on Nelson Asava Solomona. So Jerome Luai a little lighter in the pocket but available next weekend for the Panthers. Now Mo Fodawaka was sent off in Gold Coast's loss to the Warriors. Sent off in the 16th minute. So the fact that the Titans were still in the game late is a credit to them. But Mo Fodawaka, grade two careless high tackle but because it's his first offence he's looking at just a one match ban with an early plea so the two players sent off this round in Nathan Brown and Mo Fodawaka will escape with only one game fine, one game bans through early plays. You compare that to Jack DeBellin, uh, Val Holmes, who admittedly had a poorer record, but they're out for now four weeks after contesting um, their charges, and they weren't sent off. Mm. Jack DeBellin was, as Blocker Roach called, half a hit drop, and he's looking at a month on the sidelines. Here's blokes who have flown in, made forceful shoulder contact with the head. They're copping one match, Matty Cam. Oh, yeah, I just think it's a roll of the dice at the moment. I think you get the dice out, flick whatever number you get. That's what many weeks you get. So it's a, it's a bit up in the air. The lack of consistency with this new head knock, hip drop, everything like that. It's... Um, Strange at the moment, but I guess they're trying to clean it up, getting ready for finals. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, you don't want to see anyone injured going into finals. So, the idea is right, the the execution not quite right. Just Toby yet. Dawson, when it comes to rugby union, is your judiciary process record, current situation as um, unambiguous as or as ambiguous as rugby leagues? Yeah, look, I think rugby went through it a couple of years ago at the last World Cup when they really changed the high contact laws and it completely ruined the game in the eyes of most spectators at that time. But over time, it's shifted. Mm. We've now got a lot more consistency with how it's being applied, how the players are playing. Um, you know, there's some trial law coming out in England at the moment that you can't tackle above the uh, nipples. So it's all around waste, you know, waste contact only. contact. Okay, see where the games go as the concussion situation becomes clearer and clearer. Toby, you were here a couple of weeks ago. You had a very funny situation involving a golf cart and a big lake here at Wollongong Golf Club. The story gets better. Take it away, please. Maddie, story of the weekend. For those of you who don't forget, we're watching a fella down in the distance looking for his ball in the water. The buggies, whilst he's on his haunches, his buggies snuck behind him into the water, upended clubs, jacket, everything's out. 
in the dream, in, in the, the dream. dream, upside down in the little water hut. Story gets better. I go for lunch with an old boss of mine. He goes, oh, on behalf of the club captain at Wollongong Golf Club, lodging a complaint. You're picking on players on air. And I said, it was you, wasn't it? And so it was. But the best part about the story is, he was looking for ten minutes for his phone that had fallen out of his, out of his bag. Into the water. Into the water. He finally finds his phone. Comes up in a cuss to go back to find his ball. It had been sitting on the grass the whole bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> so he was looking for the ball in the water that wasn't there. The buggy follows him in. The phone, the keys, the jacket go in the drink. And after all of that, you know, the phone's probably ruined. He finds out the ball wasn't, <laughs> wasn't in the water. Wasn't in there to start with. <laughs> That's a good story. Golf. What a great game it is. We're back right after this. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the Gong with Matt Russell, Matt Campbell and Toby Dawson is still with us. During the ad break, we were saying how much we're enjoying the FIFA Women's World Cup. Probably has something to do with the fact that the Matildas are still alive. Mm -hmm. But we go into the round of 16 today, 3pm Switzerland against Spain. Followed tonight by Japan against Norway. Tomorrow, it's the Netherlands against South Africa, Sweden against the US. And on Monday, the games we're really interested in because it involves our team and also our pathway forward, England play Nigeria, Monday 5.30pm, then Australia against Denmark, Sydney Olympic Park, Monday night, 8.30. We were saying that's probably actually a very good slot for the Matildas because they're not clashing with AFL or NRL or, or weekend distraction. Monday night is a huge television night, which should mean huge ratings, right? Yeah, well, they, you talked about that. Like The fact is they're not going against AFL and NRL. It's uh, Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. And, um, I mean, everyone's going to be glued to the TV. Go the Matildas. Colombia against Jamaica on Tuesday, France, Morocco. When it comes to Super Saturday Day, I think the Cowboys can beat the Broncos. No, Adam Reynolds. What about Dolphins Knights, Toby? Winner in that game. Yeah, I think that's a Dolphins. They're going to come strong into the tail end of the season. And tonight's game, South against Cronulla, Matt Campbell. I've got Cronulla. Funny enough. Cronulla so, bouncing yeah. back to take down the bunnies. Mm. I think Latrell Mitchell goes on with the job. Matt's mock. We know the crowd hangs on this. Dragonstone, race eight at Rose Hill today. Get on it. Race eight, Rose Hill, Dragonstone. Thanks for listening. Toby Dawson, Matt Campbell, I guess. Thanks for being here. I'm Matt Russell. Good morning.